Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Good evening to those of you that have just logged on. I have something special that I want to share with you today. And uh, it's been boiling and cooking in my spirit since Tuesday morning. And I couldn't wait to get to Sunday evening so that I could minister it to you uh, today. I ministered the same message in our local church this morning. And I trust that, uh, that the word that the Lord had given me will encourage you but also confront you with the truth it's vitally important that when we attend to the word we open our hearts we open our minds and we allow the word to do what he wants to do in our hearts in our minds and to bring us to the place where we come face to face with truth and when we do we pray that we will have the courage to allow the truth to bring about a change in our lives, in our attitudes, and in our way of thinking. And so the title of my message uh, tonight is The Classroom and the Battlefield. The Classroom and the Battlefield. Strange title, but let me explain why I titled this message the classroom and the battlefield as you should know the classroom is a place of learning but the battlefield is the place where we live life from day to day it is a place where we face adversity it is a place where we are given opportunities to apply to practice that which we learn in the classroom and the classroom's purpose is to equip us, to educate us, and to prepare us for life, for kingdom living. And this is true both in the natural as well as in the spiritual. And I believe that if we faithfully and consistently put into practice the things that we learn in the classroom, we will be what Jesus called the wise builders that build our lives on the rock, that no matter what storms we face, no matter what adversity comes against us, what we build will stand the test of time. And every one of us, as you know, and I've said that many times before, from time to time, we will face adversity. We're not excluded from adversity we're not excluded from the various tests and trials that comes to test our faith to purify our belief in the word of god in one form or another some of us will have health issues or or health challenges others will have financial pressures and while others will have marital problems relational problems of all kinds and even going through the painful process of divorce. What we do in those times, I want you to listen carefully. 
what we do and how we face that adversity will make all the difference in our lives. We can either face them with faith, with courage, by putting into practice what we learn in the classroom and allow the grace of God and the mercy of the Lord to carry us through to the other side, victorious, triumphant, giving thanks and praise to God for his grace that is sufficient in every circumstance of life. Or we can allow these trials to intimidate us and to turn us into victims of fear and victims of discouragement. And I have learned both from the scriptures as well as my own experiences that it is in times of adversity that we develop character. It is in times of adversity that we develop fortitude, mental and spiritual fortitude without being derailed from the purposes of God or from the plan of God on our lives. When we have that fortitude, we are able to stand regardless and keep our focus on the Lord, on his word, on our God-given assignments without allowing these adversities and these tests and trials to derail us from what God has called us to do or even stop us from our God-given purpose. Now, it is in those seasons of adversity, I believe that we are called upon to engage with God and to engage with his word and to draw near to him and put into practice the very things that we've learned in the classroom. God doesn't want us to run from him in those times of adversity. He wants us to draw near to him, to talk to him, to share our hearts with him, to develop that kind of fellowship and intimacy with him that releases the grace of God that empowers and enables us to rise above the test and above the trial. But unfortunately, not many do that. Instead of drawing near to God, they run from him. Either they run to the bottle or to the pills or to some other kind of comfort where they find comfort and pleasure rather than drawing near to God and allowing him to purify us and to empower us and strengthen and encourage us during those times of adversity. Now, being taught the word is important, but far more important is putting into practice the very things that we've learned in the classroom. And God the Father is so gracious, gracious enough, I believe, to give us both the classroom and the many opportunities to practice what we've learned, what we've studied, what we know from the word of God. We learn from theory, but we also learn from experience. And experiential knowledge sometimes is higher than intellectual knowledge. When you've gone through a test, when you've gone through a trial, by practicing the word of God, coming on the other side, you gain experience. Your faith is encouraged. And so we need that experiential knowledge as well. And that will not come unless we are willing to put into practice the very things that we learned in the classroom. 
The Apostle James says the following. James 1 and verse 22. Underline this verse and meditate on it. Because it's a very important word from the Lord to us as believers. But be doers of the word. Not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Evidently, those who hear the word and do not practice it don't need the devil to deceive them. They are self-deceived or self-deluded because they hear, but they do not do. How do most of us deceive ourselves? Well, James tells us, by hearing the word of God, and not putting it into practice. And I believe this is the highest form of deception. When you hear, when you know what the word of God says, and yet you do not put it into practice. And James compares such a person as one, he says, who looks into the mirror, he goes his way, and straight away, he says, he forgets what he looks like. He has no recollection of what he looks like when he looked into the mirror and he went away he cannot remember what his feature is like wow and here is the principle the principle is this if we do not put into practice what we hear from the word we end up losing it it's just like we've never heard it what are the things that you remember and you recollect and are part of your life from the days of your schooling. You learn how to read. You still remember how to read. You know how to write. You know how to add. You know how to multiply. Why? Because those are the things that you practice every day. And because you practice them, you retain them. You didn't forget them. I don't remember much about history or geography, but I do know how to read. I do know how to write. And I do know how to multiply. Why? Because I practiced those things every single day. The same with the Word of God. If we do not practice what we hear, what we know, we will lose it. We'll forget it, just as though we've never heard it. James goes on to say that the person who hears the Word and obeys it will be blessed in his deeds. Look at James 1. 25, just further down from 22. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. What a promise. The word we obey, James says, becomes the perfect law of liberty that sets us free and releases us from the dominion of sin and Satan and releases us into the blessings of God. Amen. The word that you and I practice becomes our savior, the perfect law of liberty. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. The very word that we embrace, that we digest, that we make part of us by practicing it is the perfect law of liberty that sets us free to live the life that Jesus came to give us.
Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21 through to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Wow, these are heavy words coming out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus. And he said that many, many are those who say, Lord, Lord. And many on that day will hear from the master's mouth, depart from me, you workers of iniquity or lawlessness. I never knew you. What we see here is a perfect example of what I've described earlier, self-deluded people. You know, these folk assumed and were fully convinced that Jesus would receive them with open arms because of the signs and the wonders and the prophetic utterance they uttered in his name. Jesus said, I never knew you. Why? They shared no intimacy with the Lord. They had no real relationship with him. They practiced lawlessness. What does that mean? They were disobedient to the laws of God. They were disobedient to the word of God. The opposite of lawlessness is what? Righteousness. Righteousness. They didn't practice righteousness, but they practice lawlessness. And John says, he who practice lawlessness is of the devil. He who practice righteousness is of the Lord. Let's look at once again. What Luke says on the same subject, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. Luke says in John 6, 46 to 49, Jesus is speaking, speaking to the crowd. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. In the span of life we have been given on this earth, all of us are geared toward building something with our lives. Would you say amen to that? It is in our nature to build to create. Our Heavenly Father is a builder. And there are only two classes of people, Jesus said. Those who build the lives and the works on the rock, 
and those who build their lives on the sand without foundations. He who hears the word and puts it into practice is one who builds on the rock, and no matter what comes against him, he will stand the test of time. He will endure, and he will continue to remain and not have his works destroyed. But he who hears and does nothing builds on sand. And the storms of life, as I have said, will come to every single one of us. We're not excluded, believers and unbelievers, righteous and unrighteous. We will face some storms in our life, and you can bet your life on it. So it is vitally important that what we build, what we invest our lives into, is invested upon the solid rock of hearing the word and obeying what the word says. Then our works will stand the test of time. Let me say this. Obedience to the Lordship of Jesus will weather any storm that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And this is the principle I believe the Lord Jesus is endeavoring to communicate to us today just as he was in those days. If he is the Lord of our lives, not just the Savior, but the Lord, we do not need to fear any storm or any adversity. Not only we will survive it, but we will thrive in it. That's a promise from God. And Jesus, we need to recognize and have a revelation of Jesus, not just as a Savior, but we must obtain a revelation that Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Lord of our lives. We belong to him because he purchased us with his own precious blood. We are not our own. We cannot make decisions independently from him because he is Lord and Master. And I believe that he saves, listen carefully, those who obey him. Not those who say, Lord, Lord. Not those who say they're Christians. Not those who say they're born again. But those who obey him. And in the modern church today, sad to say, much has been said and taught and preached about the grace of God, about the love of God, about the mercy of God. Thank God I believe in the grace of God. I believe that God is gracious and merciful and forgiving, but not much emphasis is given to the Lordship of Jesus and to the terrible consequences to those who reject his Lordship. Not much has been said, not much has been preached about that, unfortunately. And the Bible warns us, many will be deceived in the last days. And one of the reasons, I believe, that people are deceived right there in churches today is because of false teaching and half-truth preaching. Are you listening to me? False teaching 
and half-truth preaching. We need to preach the whole counsel of God, the Apostle Paul says. I did not shun, he says, to declare to you in the book of Acts the whole counsel of God. How I warned you, he says, publicly and from house to house and taught you repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, God cannot be mocked. We were warned. This is what the apostles say. Do not be deceived. Why would he say that? Why would he say, do not be deceived? Because there is the danger to be deceived. Because deception is running rampant within the church of the Lord today. And he warns us, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Listen, disobedience and self-indulgence will only lead us to corruption and spiritual death. Whereas obedience to the truth and self-denial will lead us to everlasting peace and life. That is the whole gospel. I want to invite you now. I, I do that because I don't want to assume that you know. Many preachers and teachers, including myself, we assume that people know. But I want to invite you into my private space and take you on a journey with me. And I want to share, I don't want to brag about myself. I want to share my experience and my testimony along these lines that I'm teaching to you. I'm preaching to you today. In the early years of my walk with the Lord, when the Spirit of God began to convict me and talk to me about the Lordship of Jesus and about discipleship, I was unconsciously led. Now I know that I was led by the Spirit to write down every sphere and aspect of my life. I asked this important question to the Spirit. Who am I and what am I commanded to do? And I started writing on a piece of paper. This is what I wrote. I am a child of God, first of all. I'm born again, born of His Spirit. God has accepted me in the beloved. Then, I am a husband to my wife. I am a father to my children. I am a son to my parents. A member of a spiritual family, a local church, a member of the Greek community, and I am also a businessman. I wrote all those areas down. It helped me a great deal in my way of thinking, to write down all those areas and go through each one of them and find out what the Word of God said to each one of those spheres, of those areas of my life. Listen, the Bible is not a religious book. 
We need to understand that. It is a manual of instructions for kingdom living. Are you listening to me? Don't treat it like a religious book. Treat it as a manual for instruction to godly living. If your marriage is in trouble, go to the manual. If your finances are in trouble, go to the manual. If your relationships are in trouble, go to the manual. If your body is struggling with sickness, go to the manual of instructions and read and meditate and read and meditate and practice what it says. That's what the Bible is. Amen. Without God's word, I believe we are lost. We are confused. We will be without a sense of direction, without a sense of purpose in our lives. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. God's word is light. God's word is truth. Amen. And I would meditate on, on each of those instructions and ask the Holy Spirit to help me put into practice what was learning from the Word of God. As a young believer, I was terribly disadvantaged, and I will explain why. For example, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, he addresses the Father, saying, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and you fathers, please note, he's addressing the fathers, not the mothers. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture, in the training and admonition of the Lord. I had no idea whatsoever how to raise my children or bring them up in the admonition, in the nurturing of the Lord, because I was raised in a home where God's name was not honored and God's name was not mentioned. There was no prayer. There was no godly example in the home. This is where I was raised. My father was gone for years at the time. Once four years, then he came back and he stayed for a few weeks. Then he went back to South Africa another three years. Then he came back and he took me with him. And then later my mother and my brother. So here I was with my brother and my mother. And all she knew how to do was to shout at us. And when we did something wrong, I remember very well, she would close the entrance door and the exit door. And she would get the stick. And my brother was clever. He was a sly one. He would run before the doors were closed. And I would end up getting the hiding for both of us. And that is the honest truth. But no instruction. So I felt so disadvantaged. You know, reading those words, it made me, I realize, man, I don't know how to, how to be a father. And you know what? Thank God for the Holy Spirit, folks. We cannot live this life without his presence, without his guidance. Uh, I, I went to our local Christian uh, store. And there I got hold of a devotional by Andrew Murray entitled, How to Raise Your Children for Christ. It was a devotional book. 
and every day I would read the devotional for the day, and at the bottom of the devotional, it had a prayer. And I would pray that prayer for my children, how to be a godly father. I cannot tell you how that book helped me understand and explain to me as a young believer what it means to raise your children up for Christ. I committed each and every one of them. One of them, Athena, Helen, Stephen, I committed them to the Lord at an early age. And I said, Lord, they're yours. Help me to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then later on, I got a hold of another book by James Dobson. Dare to Discipline. <laughs> Folks, I cannot tell you the difference that one single book made in my life in regards to disciplining my children. The times of discipline became a session of bonding with all my kids because I did it the right way. I would sit them down, according to what I read in the book, explain to them why I was disciplining them, administer the rod, never in anger, never, always in love. And afterwards, I would hug, then we would hug together and make up and end with prayer. That's how they were taught. Stephen is the one who got away with most of most of being naughty. But the, the two girls got more hiding than he ever got. I don't know why. It was a soft spot of mine. It still is. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thank God for those lessons that I learned from these two men of God. They carried me through my ignorance. They taught me how to be the father that God intended for every father to be. In every area of my life, I struggled. I struggled and felt so disadvantaged. Why? Because I was not raised in a Christian home. I had no role model, no godly example to look to and to follow. And that disadvantage, in some strange way, it helped me to seek God, to search the scriptures. The hunger rose up within my spirit to read, to learn, and to discover truth, because I had no truth. You know, most of you probably, you were raised in a godly home, but I was not. You know... That search for truth, that seeking of God's face in prayer, that listening to the Spirit put something in me that stayed to this day. And it made me appreciate far more the truth of God's Word because it came out of a diligent search out of a hunger for knowledge of the truth. And I learned to appreciate truth. When it came to the Greek community I was part of, I recall as though it was yesterday, how the Spirit of God compelled me from a young spiritual age not to remain silent about my salvation. 
but to share my testimony at every opportunity that was given to me with every family in the Greek community. Running the risk of being rejected, running the risk of being persecuted, but I did not keep quiet. I would witness, I would tell anybody who wants to hear how the Lord Jesus saved me, how he saved my marriage, how he brought me back to my wife and to my unborn child. Some of them listened, and even some of them got born again. But most of them rejected the word, unfortunately. But my hands are clean. To this day, I can stand before God and that Greek community of about 50 to 60 people. They heard the word, both in my testimony as well as in the preaching of the gospel. It's almost 40 years now. Next month will be 40 years that I've entered the full-time ministry. Thank you, Jesus. As I recall the primitive years of my rebirth, I've always endeavored, and this is what I want to communicate to you folks, I've always endeavored to pursue what is beneficial for the kingdom of God. The will of God became the most important uh, thing in my life. God's will. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. I'm a living witness of that fulfillment of that scripture. What is beneficial for your kingdom, Lord? What is your will for me? I want to know. What do you want me to do? I would dare not move or make a decision in whatever area without consulting with the Lord because Jesus is Lord, not just Savior. What is your will? And I would search and I would pray and it didn't come easy. The Bible says the will of God is known by the renewing of our mind. We come to a place where we know that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How? As we allow the word, as we allow the spirit to transform the way we think, then you discover the will of God. And when you do, you pursue it. And you let nothing, nothing, no work, not even your spouse, not even your children derail you from what you know is the will of God. No circumstance. The will of God must come first. Sadly, you know, <clears throat> as I meditated on this word, I gauge the atmosphere today to sense the atmosphere in the church. Where I travel, I gauge, I observe, and I can testify. That's my conviction anyway. It might not be yours. That it's not the same today as it was 40 to 50 years ago. The compassion for those who are lost and the zeal to see them saved is no longer evident in the church. It's no longer a priority. But what's in it for me? How is the Lord going to bless me? Sad. The hunger. The spiritual hunger for knowledge and truth has dissipated. The zeal for God's house, almost non-existent. 
church attendance, optional priorities turned upside down. Whether we like to believe it or not, this is the truth. And we are responsible. No one else. We live in a culture, folks, and you know it, you live it every day, you see it, where pleasure and comfort is more attractive than godliness and the pursuit for material things more attractive than the pursuit for wisdom and knowledge. Sad to say, much of that culture has infiltrated the church today. And as the world goes, so does the church. I read something many years ago that made such an impact about, I would say, 20 years ago. It is a book by Michael L. Brown entitled, How Saved Are We? And I'm going to quote a paragraph from that book because it fits in to what I'm preaching. I quote, in times past, he says, the church went into the world and converted the lost to the Lord. Today, the world has entered the church and perverted the law of the Lord. 2,000 years ago, the ancient world was amazed by the disciples' courage. Today, the modern world is amused by our carnality. Once we effectively evangelized the lost, today we entertain them. We have more of a soap opera gospel than a sold-out gospel. And here is the tragedy of it all. We have adjusted our standards to the constantly declining standards of our society for so long that we do not even realize how far we have fallen. End of quote. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 24:12 are being fulfilled right before our very eyes. This is what he said. Because he said lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Notice the words many. Folks, don't let your love for the Lord, for the will of God, grow cold. Please don't. Listen to the words, stir up the gift of God within you. Let the fire of God burn brightly. The zeal for the lost. The burden for the restoration of God's house. I recall in the book of Nehemiah, when he heard that his compatriots in Jerusalem were in great distress, when the walls of Jerusalem were broken, immediately the word says, and I sat down and wept. The burden was so great on his heart for his people. And he said, I fasted and I mourned for many days and I prayed to the God of heaven. Read his prayer. Repentant, not for him, for the people of God. He was identifying with God's people, repenting. He didn't do anything wrong, but his people did. He identified so with them and he cried out to God in repentance. And you know the story. God raised him up. God can take hold of you 
one single person and make you an instrument that will be the catalyst for a great awakening in your church, in your community, and in your neighborhood, if you are willing. God is a champion of taking nobodies and making them somebodies. All we need to do is say, here we are, Lord, and mean it. This is my prayer. Revive us, O Lord, and we shall be revived. Michael Brown says, we don't need a great awakening. What we need is a rude awakening. Breath on us, O breath of God, until we are wholly thine, until we acknowledge you and practice you as Lord of our lives, until this earthly part of us, as the hymn says, glows with your fire divine. How many within the house of God today are really burdened for the state of the church? How many truly burn with a zeal to see the restoration of the church? Most of us, if not all, are so eager, so zealous to build our own houses, our own dreams, our own kingdoms, as the prophet Haggai says, to the, to the extent of neglecting the house of God. And the words of the prophet Haggai, you can read them for yourself, are applicable today in the church and to the church. I'm not going to read all of it, but the whole chapter 1 talks about this. And this is what God says in, in verse 9 through to 11. You looked for much, but indeed it came into little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the ground and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. This is the word of the Lord. And then in one portion, he says, you drink, but you're not satisfied. You clothe yourself, but you're not warm. Why? Because my house, my house. Who is the house of God? The people of God. Folks, God is all about people. He cares for people. And that's not just for pastors. That's for every single believer. We need to care for one another, pray for one another, love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, engage with one another. This is the life of the believer. Help do our part using our gifts, our talents, and the anointing we have received to build up, to encourage, to strengthen, to unify the body of Christ. And when we neglect to do that, we neglect in prayer, we neglect the study of His Word, we neglect to exercise the gifts that God has given us, heaven above us is closed. Amen. And I'm convinced that only the sovereign move of God will elevate us out of our backsliding state. And the sovereign move of God will come only 
as we prepare for it, both in earnest and heartfelt prayer and in absolute obedience to the truth. Why not start with us? My time is up. There's so much more to say, but I'm not. And I want to cultivate a habit that when we come together like this, we don't rush off just after the ministry of the word. We take a few minutes to digest what we heard and to spend this time in prayer together, praying, praying for the things that the word addresses for the things that pertain to the kingdom. And so as I close, I'm going to open up and give you the microphone. I've already assigned certain people to pray, but I want all of us, there is a prayer on your heart, pray it please. Don't keep it inside of you. Amen? So it's over to you. Father, I thank you for this word today. And may the word that we've heard bring forth fruit, Lord everlasting fruit and i decree and declare by the authority of your word that that word your word that has gone out of my mouth today will not return unto you void but will accomplish that which you please and it will prosper in the thing whereto you sent it in jesus name we have elections coming up in zimbabwe we will pray for that and uh, we'll pray for, for other matters as well. So over to you, please. Thank you. Michael, you kick it off, please. I will do. Father, we, we first of all, before we jump into praying for, for matters out there, Lord God, I want to first of all pray that the word, that the seed that was sown today would find root in fertile soil of our hearts tonight, Lord God. I pray, Father, that as we've said and listened to this word, Father, that by your grace, you would cause it to germinate and produce fruit in terms of our attitudes and our priorities that are, are worthy of repentance, Lord God. So we thank you for your word to us today. Lord, we also, as we commit our hearts and our lives to you, we also want to commit the nation of Zimbabwe to you. We know that elections are coming up. We know that with that, so often comes turmoil, confusion, lobbying, all kinds of, of dark and evil forces on the move, clutching at and clutching for power. Lord, I want to pray first of all for peace over that nation in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, that instead of chaos, peace would reign. I pray, Lord God, for order. I pray, Heavenly Father, for that each one truly would be able to give a vote, would be able to put their name down on a piece of paper. And Father, we pray that by your, by your hand and by your mercy, Father God, these elections would be uh, free from violence, yes, free Lord. from manipulation. But my Lord God, that the, the voice of the people will truly be heard. I want to pray that you would uncover corruption. I want to pray, Lord God, that you would expose that which happens behind the scenes. And Heavenly Father, we want to commit this nation into your hands at this time. For so long it's been in turmoil, but yet you are a God that and your power is not subject to or limited to the governments of this world. Lord, may your kingdom come in Zimbabwe. May your will be done even during this time in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. May your church rise up. May they be the voice of difference 
even in the midst of political turmoil where things seem so confused. So, Father, we commit that nation to you at this time, and we pray for them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father God, we stand in front of your throne in the name of Jesus Christ to thank you for your word and to thank you for your grace. Right now, Father, I'm lifting up all the fivefold ministries that you have ordained around the world in the body of Christ. I pray that, Father, you will give every each one of them the grace to preach the whole counsel of God without selecting what will please people or what will keep people coming. But they will stand for the truth and preach only the word of God. Father, we pray as you, the disciple prayed in the book of Acts chapter 4, verse 29, where they ask you to grant them the boldness to speak your word without fear. And Father, in this time that we are living is a very difficult time. That prayer is very relevant for us. And we pray for this generation. I pray for all your servants around the world. Grant all of us the boldness to speak your words. Not our words, not the word that people are putting in our mouth, but the word that is coming from you. The word for Amen. this season. And to preach correctly your word without removing some stuff from the truth. Let us be able to, to correct, to rebuke, to counsel, to, to direct, not choosing what will please people, but to preach the truth in love, in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray also in this difficult time that we are living, there are many people who have set themselves in the field without you sending them. They are there causing deception. They are there causing chaos in the body of Christ and lying to people. And I pray that you will stretch your mighty hand and remove on the field the people that you did not send. And I pray according to Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, you said in your word, I will give my people shepherds after my heart, who will feed yes, them Lord. knowledge and understanding. Rest yes, in Lord. this time, people after your heart, God, and remove from the pulpit those that were not ordained by you in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your grace in the season and we thank you for the anointing that you are releasing upon us in the body of Christ to stand for the truth and to speak only the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'd like to pray a prayer of thanks. Um, for those who don't know, we wanted to distribute blankets into the prison and the um, Thursday group prayed. We weren't sure whether we'd be able to put the blankets in the hands of the prisoners. Then we heard that maybe because they were colored duvets that um, they wouldn't be allowed to have them. But it was amazing and I'm praying on that. Lord, thank you so much for the miracle of being able to put those blankets into the prisoners' hands. Lord, that um, Brandon testified in church today, and I haven't even picked up on it. There were 500 blankets, but more than 500 blankets were received. We think it might have been closer to 600. Whether it was a mistake from the shop that was delivered, but we don't believe that. We just think that blankets were multiplied. But Lord, people received blankets, and that night was so bitterly cold, and we were able to make the difference. Thank you, Lord, for that. The success of that mission, and that the people were able to receive your blessing and your abundance. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that answered prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for the word today. Lord, we thank you for the word that's in front of us in, in the Bible, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we may be those who build a house upon the rock and dig foundations that are deep through obedience, Lord. May we be not just hearers, but doers of your word, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we also we ask that we may diligently seek your word out, Lord, and obey scriptures such as Matthew 25, verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Lord, may we listen and obey your instructions to go to those that are in desperate need of you and are desperate in need of your agape love, Lord. May we be Thank obedient. You. May we go towards the lost. You send us out, Lord Jesus. May we have a compassion that is in your heart. May we share your burden for those that are yet to seek to find you, Lord. May we give them the tangible Jesus through the word. And may we be those that administer your agape love in them, Lord. So we thank, thank you, you for Lord. them. We, th we pray, Lord, that for obedient hearts, we pray for awareness. May we recognize every opportunity that comes across our path. And may we be quick to obey and quick to administer your compassionate love. So we thank you for those that are yet and will soon receive your healing touch in your son's name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Natasha, I know you are a prayer warrior, so I'm going to encourage you to pray also. And pray for Bill, please. Um, he rarely misses uh, our, our sessions, but tonight, according to Mel, he's got a severe migraine. Would you please pray for him and for anyone within our body who is struggling? And today I preach to you in a great trial, as you can see, uh, my left eye struggling and uh, and I preached with the in a great trial and I I said to the Lord I'm going to stand before your people and proclaim the truth regardless of how I feel regardless of what it looks like I believe that the Lord healed me the manifestation hasn't come yet but it's on the way and I thank God for it so Natasha please pray thank you and then after Natasha I believe that um, Nikki will pray. Thank you. Anyone else? Michael Weiss? Uh, anyone? Okay. Dear Father God, as we all are, as a family have come together, Lord, under your name, Lord, we've come to spend time with you, but not just to spend time with you, Lord, to really become one with your word. Father, tonight I just pray for those who are in need of healing lord we all know that you sent your son he already bore all the stripes for us lord we have already been healed in your word and father i pray that everyone in our body everyone that knows you lord that needs healing right now lord i pray that they will claim your words that they will cling to your words as they are in um, black on white lord i pray for bill with his migraines something that i have personal experience with lord and yeah, i just yeah. pray that it it truly is a miraculous healing that it will go away at the blink of an eye lord because something like that can truly um, make you question why something like that would happen father i pray for the hensons peter and emma and the kids lord and i pray that there will be complete healing in their family lord that they will just have renewed strength and energy father and that they will know that you have already healed them most of all lord i've come before you and i 
and I just lift up our pastor, Lord, um, our leader, our father in the church, Lord, and I, and I just say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the fact that you have, have already healed him, Lord, that your son has already bore the stripes for him, and that as we come together in your name, Lord, we know that whatever we ask for, you have already done. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you, Natasha. Hallelujah. Lord, we just, I just thank you for this message, Lord. I thank you for the gift of repentance, Lord, the, the gift that you've given us uh, to hear your word and to have it pierce our heart, Lord. And I, I this is so, so personal for me, Lord. And I just, uh, I just want to repent and, uh, and thank you uh, <clears throat> that you bring your word to to uh, to to, sorry, to wake us up, Lord. And I just I just thank you, and um, I just bless you for this, Lord. And and as everyone has prayed so beautifully, Lord, that that your word will pierce our heart and will work and 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 produce the fruit which you want it to produce for it and uh, uh thank you Lord. thank you jesus hallelujah father i pray for a holy ghost conviction that from the mouth of your servants will come a two-edged sword that will purify that will cleanse that will set your people in order dear father but only you holy spirit can do that and we look to you to bring such conviction, conviction of sin, conviction of lawlessness, that you would give us genuine and true repentance so that our hearts would shift towards you, Lord, and acknowledge you in deed and in practice as the very Lord of our lives. I pray further that you would give us courage to face the truth, to acknowledge the truth, and allow the truth to change us from within. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you that every word that is uttered in the name of the Lord, we are assured that you are listening. For your word says that the ears of the Lord are open to the righteous cry and his eyes are over the righteous. And so we thank you for that assurance, Lord. We bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I'm going to wait a few minutes. Anyone who has not prayed, there's a prayer on your heart. Please, we are here to pray. Whether your prayer is short or long, eloquent or not, God looks at the heart, not the words. Thank you, Father. Lord God, um, on behalf of the church and myself, I'd like to repent. Um, Repent of lukewarmness. Repent of a um, just a, a lack of love, Lord, of um, compromise, Lord, and uh, you know, strength from what what your standard is, Lord. Lord, I pray that you know, the Holy Spirit would help us repent and turn around and, and head back in the right direction yes, and that we would um, value what you value Lord and yes. to the standard that you value it. 
I'll ask this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your holy name forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I would like to, in closing, make an appeal. From the month of June, the first, uh, sorry, August, from the first Sunday of August, it would be good if we can log on at 10 to 6 so that we have time to welcome, to greet everyone as they log on. And at 6 o'clock on the dot, I'd like to start the ministry of the Word so that we can finish early and spend at least 10 to 15 minutes in prayer after the ministry of the word. Uh, I, would, um, I would like you to make an effort, please. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else would like to pray before we close? Michael Weiss, would you like to give us some feedback on how the, how the baby is doing? how the mom is doing, how your work. I know you've launched your own business a couple of months ago. Uh, are you able to give us some feedback? Hi, Pastor. Yes, I, I, I can give feedback. Thank you. And I, I'll have a short prayer as well. Um, but yeah, all's going well. Little Samuel's now five weeks old and we're incredibly blessed. He's just wonderful. He's feeding well. Um, yeah, and we're just loving having him here. My parents have been with us as well, so we've been enjoying time with lots of family. Um, yeah, and um, all's going well on the work front and and the new house. It's all it's all a you know there's a lot of effort, a lot of yeah, it's it's a lot, um, but it's all incredibly blessed and and um, we're in, we're in a good place, Pastor. We just need grace to have um, energy and strength and. And, and all this and, and Kerry's doing really well with breastfeeding and um, you know it's, there's some long nights and long days but um, all very blessed so we've we um we're, we're incredibly grateful amen praise God thank yeah. you for sharing Michael and I just Lord, wanted to you. I just wanted to lift up um, Pastor Michael and 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 Helen and uh, Michael's sister and mom and the whole family yeah. uh, with the passing of, of your dad Michael and um just to, just to, you know thank thank you for sharing your dad with us um we we pray that the lord will be with you with your family continue to to draw very close to you and comfort you at this time um you know your father he lived to a good age but it's the strength of the relationship that you had with him the closeness um yes. he was just such a wonderful person um and so we know that you're hurting at this time you're mourning a, a very special person and uh we say lord yes. draw close to to michael and helen and and the whole family yes. lord and 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 thank just you. be with them and hug them and just keep them close to you lord we thank you for brian we thank you for his life we thank you for his laughter his joy that he brought to every gathering lord um yeah and we just we lift him up we lift yeah. pastor michael and him up to you in the name of jesus thank you lord thank you michael vice for being so sensitive you know when i looked at michael today this morning in church i could see that he was grieving uh he was he was mourning and when you lose a person that you've been so close to it hurts yeah so praise god the Lord's comfort be with you, Michael, and 
the family. Thank you, Dad. Thanks, well, Michael. Well, praise God. All right, folks. Thank you for logging on. And thank you for your faithfulness. I will see you next Sunday. Uh, some of you I will see on Thursday. But remember, please, from the first Sunday of August, let's make an effort and log on at 10 to 6 so that we can be on time and have time to pray. Thank you and blessings to all of you. Good night. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.